Oh, boy, here we go for the Big Fat Monday show. It is time to get up on it and roll. Going to be interesting, just like Saturday night in New Jersey. That was maybe the most interesting night of Supercross we have ever covered on the Big 49. Now, I'm going to say hands down, that was the most interesting night of Supercross we have ever covered on the Big 49. And that's three years of Supercross, right? And remember, we covered... The first year we came on, we covered all of the racing out of Utah. Remember, it was the COVID year, and they were doing all of the racing out of Utah, like in the bubble, kind of what but the NBA ended up doing that year. I got a lot about the bubble today. I got that in entertainment, too, with a little quote from Phil Jackson that was interesting. And, man, what a great night. Justin Barsha gets his first win of the season, which was awesome to see. Max Anstey, a privateer, gets... His first career Supercross win ever. And it was awesome. It just crazy. But the fact that we had, we literally wrapped up the show, said goodbye, figured they weren't going to race till maybe Sunday at noon or so. They would do something. It kind of seemed what it would, how it was going to go down. And then they were like, after an hour and a half of lightning delay, the track not being covered in the pouring rain, they're like, nope, we're racing these main events. Let's go. And they got it in and they got it done. The 250s came out and raced in extreme mud. In a weird way, the 250s, and we talked about this as we covered it live. Moto Man was very observant in this observation. And he was like, the 250s kind of did the 450s a favor. They made it ruddy. So when the 450s got out there, they just followed the ruts. That's all they did. They just stuck it in the rut and went and, and took the lines the 250 guys were taken. But by the time the 450s were done, the track was absolutely destroyed. It was just mush out there. And you'll hear coming up in moments, we will talk to the winner, Mr. Justin Barsha, whom we love here on the 49. Really can't say enough good stuff about Justin Barsha. And uh, the, the evolution of that dude as a human being and a rider in the last couple years is amazing. He's always been a great rider, always had the sick freaking whips. And now the dude is a dad and he's He's really trying to be a better person. He even mentions that in the interview. You'll hear that coming up. But uh, one thing of note as we get into all these interviews for the week from the press conference on Saturday night, which just know took place after midnight New York time. It was late here when we got the press conferences going. And these guys had been out there all damn day. They were tired. Everybody wanted to go home. And they cut... Both press conferences, the 250 and 450, in half. So you did a 15 minutes total, a little less than 15 minutes total, and that was for all three riders. Like, I'm not even going to do a Jet interview and a Hunter interview because there was three questions combined for the two of them that, that, that we were able to ask. Three combined. And so what I'm going to do on Friday is I will do a combo with Jet and Hunter. And what's crazy is they were the most hyped. That was the story going into Saturday night. It was the Lawrence Brothers, the East-West Showdown, the battle of brother-on-brother, Honda-on-Honda. It ended up not being the story. The weather ended up being the story in the end, and we did not see that coming. And neither of them won. It was Max Anstey that got the win. So that went to the wayside. And you know what's funny? I watched that press conference. And they seem so happy. The Lawrence brothers both on the podium in second and third. And they seem so happy. And I think they loved watching Max in the press conference get his first ever win. They both got, what, six wins already each this season or whatever it is. They're on fire. And I think they were stoked to watch Max go up there. And, you know, Max Anstey will talk. Longest interview this week, I promise you, will be Max Anstey when we get to that probably on Thursday. And Max is Max will talk. And he took up the whole press conference. So at that point, you had three questions with the Lawrence brothers, and I'll just combine them together, and we will do a a Hunter uh, Jet interview on Friday on the show. So all of that is a lot. Plus, we're going to get into a gazillion other stories. You know why? Because this is what I do. I don't just concentrate on the old the old motocross. No. I got other things too. There's some politics stuff out there, but we made a we had a board meeting at the Big 49, and we're going to discuss. I've been breaking that rule because I'm on the board. I've been breaking that rule since the day we started, but I would never really let anyone else do it. And now well, it's fair game. We're going to go for it, and and 
I'll break that down after we have the interview with uh, Justin Barsha. And then I'm going to get into some political stories, which were previously banned on the Big 49 until now. Now, The gloves are off. And then I'm going to get into... I got a story out of the Los Angeles City Council that should scare the crap out of you that there's people like this on the Los Angeles City Council. And and think about it. 90% of our audience is Los Angeles. Uh, 70%. Because we got a crap load in the Inland Empire because that's where dirt bikes are king and that's where the Big 49 blows into. We got Orange County, too, in Ventura and San Diego, San Bernardino, uh, all that. We also got a lot of listeners out there. But, you know, L.A. is such a huge, populous area that a big chunk of our listenership comes right out of Los Angeles. So I'm going to talk about this. And by the way, surrounding areas, you you should want to know this, too, that there are people this terrifying on city councils making laws you know, for local communities. It's crazy. And then after that, I got another uh, fun one about uh, Sleepy Joe. That's terrifying as well. Also weird how quiet people are, how you probably won't hear this until I tell you. Oh, God, I got another one that is uh, not here in Southern California, but something that's going to change in a school district in Pennsylvania that they're going to be able to do to kids like... I got a lot of, like, mind-boggling news. And then I got updates on wokeness. There's a lot of updates on wokeness. The pushback on wokeness has finally upon us, and I think we need to keep pushing so that it stops. And so that it stops. And then there's another interesting thing. There's something that happened. uh, Go back to the Bud Light. The second that happened, I, I came back, I think, the next Monday after that all blew up, and took my stance on it my stance on it is yeah that was that was a screw up and then I drank a Bud Light and I was like I'm not going anywhere I love the marketing and just it's such a part of the pop culture the the, the Bud Light advertising throughout my life that I'm like I'm not going anywhere and I've done business with these people and I appreciate the hell out of these people and I'm not going to turn my back on someone because they screwed up and, and that was that was my angle yeah, someone uh, way with way, way, way more listeners than me took that exact stance on uh, Friday and now is getting a lot of pushback. And I'm like, dude, I did that two weeks ago. And, I, and I'm with them. So we'll talk about that as well. We'll give an update on that whole situation. It's interesting, but yeah, then the Phil Jackson story in entertainment, man, the pushback on Woke is here. When Phil Jackson's pushing back on it, you're like, all right, this is crazy. Because no one ever, ever, ever in the world ever will accuse Phil Jackson of being a racist. That's not going to happen. And then I have a weird UFO story I'm going to get into. A weird, I'm, I'm going to do that early in the show. I, I will get it. I got a lot to talk about. But I'm going to get into all of these stories. My weird UFO story, which isn't a UFO story. It's more of a paranormal, but it's a phenomenon usually associated with UFOs. Though in this story, they never say UFO because even though we're... Uh, waking up, so to say, to the UFO world, you're still a weirdo if you see one or talk about one. And I found that out when I talked exactly a year. It was one year ago this week. I saw something that I thought was a UFO, and I was right because I didn't know what it was. And then I reached out to MUFON, and they came back, and I think they lied to me. I'll give you an update. I'll spin that all into it as well. But I think MUFON's maybe taken over partially by the dirty bastards at the CIA and the FBI and the basically shadow government. I'm truly believing at this point, conspiracy theories are real to me at this point. Everything. I believe nothing. I'm losing all faith in the people that run our country. And that's part of the board meeting we had in the 49 that I'm going to get into. We got to take America back and we're gonna. All right. Uh, Then I've got a really bad waiter. I, I got a what the Florida story. There's so much to get to today. Hopefully I get to it all. But we'll start it up next with a really fun interview with Justin Barsha from the TLD Gas Gas team. And we will do that next. I am Stretch. This is the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. 
at the Supercross Mud Bowl in New Jersey on Saturday night. Hayden Deegan came out with a sixth place overall finish in the 250 East-West shootout, which is really solid for a rookie rider that didn't have that much experience on the track. But here's what's crazy. He had a podium locked up, looking like he was going in third, had a late crash that kind of cost him that, gets the sixth place overall finish. And you're like, this kid's well ahead of the curve for someone his age. Then we see a post from his dad, Brian Deegan, after the race. And Brian talks about grooming Hayden to be able to race in the mud. He said since Hayden was raised in Southern California and didn't get that much of an opportunity to race in the mud, that every time it did rain, he would throw him out there on the, remember, they had a supercross track at home. He would throw him out there to train in the mud. And every year before Loretta Lynn's, he would send him out to Club MX for a month before to prep in the mud. So this kid has been trained his whole life to take on any condition and it's showing at this point in his career and his rookie season as he sits number two in the 250 East. I am Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49, it is a Stretch show and right now we are sitting down with your overall winner from New Jersey. This is his first win of the season, although he's been on the podium the last, what, four or five weeks just absolutely killing it. His name is Justin. Justin Barsha from the TLD Gas Gas team. And Justin, I know in 450, you've got some wins there, but this one has got to be in front of your hometown crowd, just maybe the sweetest win of your entire career, if not at least your 450 career. <laughs> Honestly, tonight was special. Um, to have my, you know, my, my wife, my son. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, it doesn't really, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it gets much better than that. Tonight was a good feeling. Honestly, yeah. that last lap was unique. Um, def just a lot of emotions going yeah. on. And, uh, man, we just work really hard. I've really, I've really worked hard on myself this year to just try to be an all-around better racer. Um, you know, I've always, my career, I've been a little bit um, overly wild sometimes. Not like, you know, not party or <laughs> stuff like that, but just on the track, you know, I, yeah. I ride with a lot of heart and sometimes it doesn't go my way, but I uh, just really worked on myself this year. Um, just want to set an example for my son growing up. Obviously, he doesn't know yet, but uh, yeah, uh, this one is probably quite up there, maybe the best one, but uh, <laughs> I hope to have um, a lot more um, to come. Well, and speaking of wins, this is your second win on Gas Gas, but I know uh, you want to win because you guys are all hyper competitive and, you know, just want to go out there and win every single race. But how sweet is it to get a win for your team at this point in the career? Because I know that's got to mean a lot too. like uh, uh, the guys over at Troy Lee Designs. How great is it for you to get a, a win for that team? Yeah, uh, Troy Lee is yeah. uh, just a rad guy he's loves the sport uh, i remember got my first one at gas gas and troy said he he's that's made his life like that was the best <laughs> moment of his life and troy wow. lee like that dude's had some moments in his life like so that <laughs> yeah. was special uh, he's just a good guy loves the sport gas gas you know they came on board and they're putting everything into it and yeah. you know i was the guy to be with the team and do this and it's awesome i'm proud to have those guys behind me and yeah. um it's a honestly it's been a match made in heaven it's been really enjoyable really fun obviously motorsports is very difficult there's hard times but everyone works together we have a really good um good crew right now just a solid team yeah. um we have fun we put in the work and we love racing dirt bikes yeah. so that's <laughs> about that's about it really and uh you know we got austria behind us and they've uh, really stepped up um you know since yeah. gas gas came aboard and they're doing a great job. I honestly, I couldn't ask for, ask for anything more. All right, uh, Justin, and I'm telling you, we are so enjoying watching you this year and just seeing you grow and seeing you really try to be a better person and a better rider and to do the right thing. And man, it's paying off. Whatever you're doing is paying off. So keep up the great work. But let, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this track. We went from what was probably one of the most basic Supercross tracks we've seen this season, not gnarly at all, to holy crap, let's let it rain on it for a couple hours, then throw you guys out there in a mud bowl, and it being the gnarliest track we've seen all season long. Like, And then you managed to not stay you know, throttle happy and, and riding loose, which is what we've, we're used to with you. You managed to just you know keep it under control and to get the win tonight. So what was that track like out there in those, you know, final laps, especially when it was absolutely shredded? 
Um, yeah, the plywood. We were down to plywood a lot yeah. of corners. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you can't do nothing with that. Yeah. The track guys couldn't do anything. It just happens because we're digging deep. But, uh, yeah. yeah, just send it. That's the, <laughs> that's the you know, send it, but also don't crash. So there's a fine line. <laughs> you did it. You did it just right. You absolutely sent it, yet at the same time you didn't crash. So there you go. You get the win. So we'll see if that works out next week in Nashville as well. Uh, Justin, I don't know if you saw – the 250 race, but it was to show you how what a crazy night it was. You got a privateer get the win aboard that uh, Firepower Honda team, and that was freaking crazy too. I know uh, Max raced, by the way, you know, in 450s for a long time. I don't know if you know Max, but did you see him get his first Supercross victory tonight? Yeah, absolutely epic. Uh, is, um puts a lot into the team. He's not here that often, and I know he was actually here. I saw him earlier. Oh, wow. So, man, what a special moment. I, You know, we've all been there, so that's really cool. And yeah. for Max, he's a seems like a really nice kid. Yeah. Um, he's a hard racer, and for him to kind of go from Europe, come back here, and just give it his all and get that win tonight. And, you know, he's, he's British, so I, I like the British people, you know. <laughs> My wife's British. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah. it's cool. He, I'm, hopefully, I don't think his family was here, but um, – can't, I bet he can't wait to get home and see them and celebrate this ride. All right, uh, Justin, man, once again, congratulations on an epic race tonight. I know it's going to be memorable forever for you as it is for us because, man, that was something to see. But congratulations, dude, and thank you for your time, man. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. I am stretched. Thanks, dude. Uh, this is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Big 49, I am stretched. I want to get into my UFO-ish type paranormal weird story, which I contribute this one to X-Files UFO stuff. Uh, speaking of that, not to sidebar myself, but it's what I really do best here on The Stretch Show. The My favorite show, which is Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, back, came back last week, had the debut, and is picking up right where it left off. There is something weird on that ranch out in Utah in the... Uh, uh, my God, what's the name of the Indian tribe, uh, the, the basin out there that, they, that is named after? There is a lot, lot going on, and it is weird. And from, as they, the more and more you hear about this, the real UFO buffs are starting to go down the rabbit hole of these are not interplanetary things that we're seeing. These are interdimensional things that we're seeing. Like they're straight up coming out of another dimension into our dimension, then back to their dimension. And, and it's seems plausible. It's a good theory because we're breaking down physics of there's no way to get from one planet to the other, but there's also no way to fly a, a round sphere with no wings or visible propulsion either, yet they're doing that clearly. We've got tons of video evidence of that. Pentagon released more of that just last week over Iraq during the war when there was a big like metal sphere just flying around. And... We don't know what it is, but this story is not UFOs today so much to say as it is cattle mutilations. Oh, yeah. And this is happening right now in Texas, of all places. And my God, it is really interesting to see. They uh, had six cattle die mysteriously in Texas in the last uh, couple of weeks. All of them had their tongues removed, the hide around the side of their mouths gone, and when they found them, they were on grass that was undisturbed, no, showed no sign of a, of, of, a, of a fight. Basically, if you walked up to a cattle, to a cow, and you took a scalpel out, and you decided to remove half of its face, that 1,000, 2,000 pound creature is gonna fight. It, it's still a cow, but it's gonna tear up the grass, and it's gonna kick around while you're trying to hold it and do this to it. There's no blood spilled in the process of this. No blood on the ground. You take a cattle and you chop off the side of its face and you kill it there. But there's way more to this. The cause of death for six of the animals so far is unknown after veterinary uh, autopsies, so to speak. And as of Friday, which was last Friday, there was no updates in this case. The cattle found along Texas State Highway and three different counties... Madison, Brazos, and Robertson, each animal part of a different herd in a completely different pasture along the same highway. So it's like, I don't know, a UFO flew along this highway and just started zapping cattle out of different areas and 
doing what they do. Five of the animals were adults. One of them was a yearling. And they say it's still not immediately clear how they died. The sex of the animals not uh, disclosed if they were bulls or cows. In two cases, the animals' genitalia and anuses had been completely removed with a circular cut that the sheriff's office said has been made with precision, as the cuts noted around the jawlines also made with absolute precision uh, on each cow, where there are zero signs of a struggle with the cow. So did someone have a hell of a lot of, uh, I don't know, animal drugs to dope these cows up so that they could basically dice them up alive on the side of the road? Or do these things get beamed up? Or did something beam down and do this? We don't know. Investigators with the Madison County Sheriff's Office discovered five of the deaths and a rancher alerted them to the uh, sixth death. That's interesting. I find that fascinating. Cattle mutilation. By the way, on Skinwalker Ranch, they've had a couple of cattle, weird cattle deaths and a couple of not full-blown mutilations with the anuses and genitalia removed, but like laser-like precision of things on them. And then typically when a, when a cow dies in a field, especially of any sort of a cause, the rancher doesn't do anything. The rancher takes it with like a forklift and moves it outside the pasture and then coyotes or whatever come up and usually eat it. Scavengers come up and, and eat it. They don't bury it. They just throw it out there and then the wildlife comes along and eats it. Well, these, they found, at least when I watched Skidwalker Ranch, they found nothing touches them. That these things sit out there and rot and nothing ever comes to eat them after they've been zapped with the whatever it is. Yeah, they say also no predators or birds would scavenge on these cows either. So the same thing they showed on Skinwalker Ranch with one of them is the same thing. So they found this thing laying dead out there with these cuts on it and this stuff. The sixth one, remember they, the uh, authorities had found the first five because they were like closer to the highway. And same thing's happening. No birds, nothing. Nothing's touching these things. Why not? Animals know something we don't. We don't. Just like last week when I gave you the story about the bear that broke into the car and ate uh, 69 cans of soda. He was a Ronnie Mac bear, apparently. But he ate 69 cans of soda, and then there were three cans in the car that were diet, and they're the only three cans that the bear didn't eat. Animals know things that we don't. We should learn from animals. So anyway, there's now theories going out there from uh, spaceships and cult killings. They're thinking it was. But if it was cult killings, like I said, did they have some gnarly anesthesia? They drugged this cow up so that they could chop its anus out and its genitalia with like a scalpel? No, 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 they didn't. And if they didn't, the thing would have fought like hell because it would have hurt like hell to have that done to it. FBI has come out to investigate and they are looking at mysterious cattle deaths now on tribal lands as well. So very, very interesting, and I tie all of this to the UFO phenomenon. And there's, there's no answers, just all questions at this point. But this just happened last week. We're talking about something last week in Texas where this happened in those three counties. Pretty crazy. All right, up next, let's get into... Oh, God, I... Do I want to go the death of Wolkness? Do I want to go serious yet and get it? Let's do that. I'm going to do a goofy story like I just did. And then I'll go serious story. Then I'll go back to goofy story. I'll go back and forth. I'll bob and weave today. I'm like Iron Mike Tyson. Only I'm Iron Fat Stretch. Iron Gut That's what I am. All right, up next, I'm going to get into this one from the LA City Council. It should piss you off. And you should just, but you need to know these people are out there. The truth is out there too. And I'm going to give it to you. That's what Stretch does. The big 49. Big, big, big. The big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Saturday night at the New Jersey Supercross, the weather went from absolute perfect track conditions to the worst possible scenario, and both main events were raced in the pouring rain after an hour and a half lightning delay that left the track untarped at an absolute mud bowl. Kenny Roxon told this funny story in the press conference afterwards 
about what happened when it got so bad he had to rip his goggles off. I had to take my goggles off, and as soon as I did too, um, Dino Wilson, he crashed right in front of me, and he laid it over and held the bike wide open, and it roosted me straight into my eyes. So I had a huge clod right here. I've been messing with my eyes the whole time. By, by the way, at the press conference, Kenny looked like he'd been crying because his eyes were like all swollen and, and red, and it was all from that incident with Dean Wilson. By the way, shout out to Dean Wilson. Went on to still finish 10th overall on the night in the Mud Bowl. It was a great time to watch. It was something different that I don't think any of us have seen in a very, very long time in the Supercross. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49. Right now, Stretch is going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you. That's what I do. This is something that has affected thousands and thousands and thousands of you just in Southern California. Thousands of you. Uh, everyone listening right now knows someone that has been affected by this or has had it happen to them. Promise you, because I, I can name at least 10 people that I know that have been hit. And I think someone tried to get uh, one of ours last week around my house, but there's a thing in place that prevented it. Talking about catalytic converter thefts. Have you been hit with that? I got a buddy that got hit with it, and he got hit with a $3,500 bill, and I think that was his part of it because he had to get it, get the new part, which probably ended up being bought stolen from a shop somewhere. And if you don't know, they jack up a car in the middle of the night, they chop the catalytic converter off, and then they sell it. It is a piece of smog equipment that does have some precious metal inside of it, but the main ones that people are getting are Toyotas and Priuses. The, those are the ones. And, and we have a couple of those at my house, and they have the plates on the, the guard on them. And then the other day, one of the guards was rattling really bad. We think someone tried to maybe get it out and then got scared away. Possibly. We don't know. But they did not get the catalytic converter. It is a nightmare situation if they get your catalytic converter. So they're voting in stronger measures which is what you should do the, the, you know what should happen the city government the local government everyone should alright this is a massive massive problem like I said affecting thousands and thousands of people we should make the penalty stiffer we should go after not only the guys that are stealing them but the people that are buying them stolen the scrap yards all that stuff that's what they should do for enforcement they should fix this for the tax paying citizens the people that are paying by the way I saw gas for over $7 a gallon this week over here on the west side so we're paying through the nose on gas. We're paying through the nose on taxes. And we're not getting what we pay for. Not in California. Not in Los Angeles. We are not. So they started voting in stricter regulation on everyone involved in the catalytic converter theft process. And then this lady, her name is Nathia Raman. She is a councilwoman for the city of Los Angeles. And she voted against the measure... And she said, it's not at all the people that steal the catalytic converters. It's the car manufacturer's fault for making the part too easy to steal. So we shouldn't be blaming these people. She said, in this case, I think one of the things that infuriates me is that we have a company like Toyota that makes the Prius that essentially has a device on their cars, which is really easy to remove. She says, it's basically the value of a MacBook. Yet it's right there and easy to take, so of course people are going to steal it. That's her stand, but it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. Stretch going to give it to you. Miss Raman goes on to say, This is put in a place that is incredibly easy to access in your car, and thefts are related to this issue have essentially all of the cost of that are given to us to bear instead of Toyota. So she's saying it shouldn't be paid for by you, the victim, or the guy that steals it shouldn't be uh, going after it. We should be going after the car uh, manufacturers. It's their fault for making an expensive item on your car really easy to steal. Especially Toyota. They should be paying all of you. She says it's a crime happening to the constituents in our communities that are hurting people and one that we are allowing. We're failing to act on. Uh, says this is the guy that's voting for it. This is it. Raman now says, oh, no, no. And by the way, Raman's not alone. Raman was joined in her opposition to the bill by Councilwoman Eunices Hernandez, who also argued that by passing tougher regulation on catalytic converter thefts, it would not make our city safer, 
that it would instead impact Latino and black communities because in her eyes, that's who's stealing them. That's what this racist lady just said, even though she is a Hispanic lady. She said that by making regulations tougher, this is the racist that spews out of their mouth, by making it tougher on people for stealing these that we would crack down in unfairly upon the Latino and black community. She said this ordinance is a costly one for the city and it's gonna lead to more cases. So as we start prosecuting these scumbags that are stealing our catalytic converters, that it's gonna be expensive for the city to prosecute these people and it's gonna cost more money in court costs and more money to be spent on public defenders as we prosecute these pieces of crap who are out there stealing your catalytic converter when you're just trying to get to work. Just trying to have enough money to get in the gas tank to get to work today so that you can live check to check in this effed up city that we have. She says, when somebody gets something stolen, the, sh the city shouldn't be doing everything we can to make sure they're made hold, not to punish the other person. That's what they're saying. So hold on, well, they're saying make you whole as a car owner by price. They want you to go after the manufacturers, not after the people that are stealing these. And they don't want the expense to come to the city. Raman is a Democrat, by the way, and she's been in politics follow, following her advocacy combating homelessness. She says it's incredibly important for us to be able to address not just the homelessness crisis, but the broader housing crisis of which homelessness is just the most, uh, it's just the symptom. She says it is changing who gets to live here and who doesn't get to live here. It's pushing out working people and people of color, according to her. So she is a homeless advocate that does not want people prosecuted for stealing your catalytic converters and she wants the manufacturers to pay for making those so easy to steal and she doesn't want the city to pay the uh, cost to prosecute people and she was joined by Miss Hernandez also a, a Democrat there and now I'm going to break into something else uh, that, that, that you need to know that's people that are elected to sit on the city council and you know what their constituents have probably lost thousands of catalytic converters and the last thing they want to hear right now is the city, the people they voted for, are telling them, yeah, we're not going to prosecute that. That's dumb. We, we shouldn't prosecute that. And you got a district attorney that will go right in line with them and not prosecute crap anyway. So what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. The Big 49 had a board meeting last week. And we initially launched and said, we're not going to do politics. No politics. I, I, I'm on the board, and I am the boss and the main air personality here and I've gone against that from the get-go. If you listen to my show, you're aware that, that I, I touch on political stories. And really, it's a lose-lose. We're in California. I know I alienate people every time I, I open my mouth on politics, but at this point, when we got the news last week that they had voted to completely ban gas-powered motorcycles as of 2035, that that's signed, sealed, and delivered now, and leaf blowers and lawn mowers and everything else, and that they are also now making it so you're not gonna be able to ride on the public lands, even with electric bikes when we get to that point. So you play by the rules and say, all right, I'm gonna get rid of my gas bike, which would suck ass if you're a dirt bike enthusiast. Well, they're taking away where you can ride them anyways. We're gonna be riding on closed tracks only and they're doing everything they can to push gas burning out by 2035. That is not that far, that is 12 years from now. That is not that far. This is a, there are thousands and thousands of jobs in California around the moto industry. There are billions of dollars made. It is short-sightedness on their part, left and right, but it is part of their agenda and it is bull crap. And we have got to stop it because it's gonna make everything more expensive. It's going to bankrupt a bunch of businesses. They don't care about those people, those same people that pay taxes. I, I care about all of my friends at HYR. And granted, they're already selling e-bikes, but I think e-bikes should be introduced, they should be pushed, there should be some incentive to buy them, I, I understand that, but it shouldn't be e-bike or nothing for motocross enthusiasts and motorcycle enthusiasts and car enthusiasts. I, like, I would buy a Tesla, I think they're cool cars, and the, the fast one seems really fun to me. I would be into that, but that's what it is. They finally made a sporty one that did cool things that I would want to drive because I like to go fast. And I think uh, if they do that on bikes, we'll get a lot of the same effect. Forcing it and running it down our throats and bankrupting businesses and running industries out of our state and just putting it down are, are not good ways to do it. So we decided we can speak out against this now. Well, we're gonna 
do what we can for the... We are a motocross radio station first and foremost before we're even a rock radio station. And we're going to do everything to politically help all of those people in that industry that we love. And and we promise you that. So you're going to hear some politics here and there, and we're going to do everything. We're going to alert you to what they're doing so you know and tell you, man, you should do something about it. Vote the way that would save it. And that's what we're going to tell you. You can tell us to go to hell too, but... And it's risky for us. We're probably going to lose some people, but I'm stretching. I don't give an F. It's the Big 49. The man Report. Get ready for another UFC badass in the daughter of Frank Mir. This girl is a freshman at Iowa right now wrestling, and she is a bona fide badass, ranked top 10 in the entire country. And in a recent interview with her, she said her ultimate goal is to end up in the UFC just like her dad. And remember, Frank Mir grew up in a jiu-jitsu studio. His parents owned one. He trained from the time he was a child. And I imagine his daughter is no slouch at jiu-jitsu either. Yet she's also getting a good wrestling base, being a wrestler at Iowa. So look out for this girl when she makes it to the UFC. She's going to kick ass. There was some action Saturday night in Anaheim at Disneyland when during that weird uh, phantasmic show that they do, the giant dragon, which sits out on Tom Sawyer Island, kind of exploded, if you will. Its head blows fire throughout the performance, and at this point, its head caught on fire, then the entire dragon burned to the ground, catching Tom Sawyer Island on fire, and people were freaking out, but they got it put out, but it looks like the dragon is a total loss. And finally, the pushback on Woke is just about coming full circle now as Phil Jackson gave an interview recently and told why he stopped watching the NBA after the season in the bubble when the league decided to start putting Black Lives Matter uh, slogans on the actual court. Phil didn't like it and said he doesn't watch anymore, and this is a little quote from that interview. They even had slogans on the floor, on the baseline. It was catering. It was trying to cater to an audience or trying to bring a certain audience into play. And it, they didn't know it was turning other people off, you know? People, people want to see sports as non-political. Wow, and this is the greatest coach in the history of the NBA, and no one in the world will ever say Phil Jackson is racist, and he's saying this. The Man Entertainment with Stretch. Big 49, it's a stretch, yo. Uh, I'm going to go back to... Lighthearted, even though this story is god-awful that I'm about to tell you, but it is your WTF, what the Florida story of the day today, and we've always seemed to have one. I, It's funny, I love the UFO stories and paranormal stories, and whenever I find them, I always talk about them here. It's a topic I'm passionate about and I really am into. And I can tell you this, I don't, I, I, I'm lucky if I get one a week that I really think it's worthy of coming on the show. But there's days I'll do a straight up what the Florida show. Like, it's every story. I always have a what the Florida story. It's rare if I have a show that doesn't have one of these. Which tells you Florida is one effed up place, man. And you know what's in Florida, sadly? The entire moto industry that has fled California to go to Florida where they're not being persecuted. Where they're being embraced. And all of that money they bring and all those tax dollars they bring are being embraced by the government of Florida. Totally different. Florida and California are the antithesis of one another on every angle. And if you find things horrifying in Florida, and by the way, Florida's crazy. There's crazy people in Florida. California got crazy people too. But usually those crazy people are all elected officials in California is the thing that I notice. Idiot douchebags, Gavin Dusham, I'm looking at you. Ah, uh, he thinks he's getting to the White House. We will stop that here on the 49. We will throw every resource we have at doing anything we can to prevent that from happening. Also, to get him out of office in California and then start with him and then work our way down to get everybody out and get back to a life where we can have our damn dirt bikes and ride and love California again. I used to do that when I was a kid. All right now, let's go to Pinellas Park, Florida. Where a man has been arrested for child neglect. This is what happened. His nine-year-old son went to school. Man's name is Joseph Dombrowski. He's 49 years old. His nine-year-old kid 
went to school and walked up to the teacher and said, hey, I was in my backpack and uh, I found my dad put these in here. Uh, will you take these? Teacher's like, oh, okay. It was two bags of meth. They brought it in. They called the police. The police came and tested the unknown substance. It's when it found out it was meth. Kid said he was in his backpack looking for a piece of candy when he instead found two bags of meth. He handed it to the teacher. The teacher turned him in. The dad has been arrested. And they found out dad had previously been arrested for drug trafficking. Also, over the weekend, admits to using meth and ecstasy. Yeah, I thought that was my backpack. So I stashed my bag of meth, my two bags of meth, into my kid's backpack. Whoops, my bad. Dad, not your bad. You're going to jail. Arrested and taken to the Pinellas County Jail without incident. I imagine at that point when you realize your pathetic life of being a drug addict and a slanger has affected your child directly. You hang your head in shame and you don't resist. You're like, I deserve to go to jail. I'm going to jail. I'm an idiot. I need to get my life in order. And by the way, maybe this is the rock bottom moment this uh, father needs. Mr. Dombrowski, I, I will tell you, Rehab does not work. It does not work. If you're an addict right now and someone's telling you get to rehab and you're like, F them, and you go, all right, I'm going to go because my wife's making me go. I'm going to go because my parents are making me go. I'm going to go because my job is making me go. It's not going to work. You may as well not go. But when you hit rock bottom, when you look and you say, hey, I'm a piece of crap. I just stuck two bags of meth in my kid's backpack and then you go to rehab? And by the way, rehab's not magic. It's not like a pill that you take that makes everything go away. No, if you wanna work and you're receptive to it, and then you're willing to put in really, really, really hard work every day for the rest of your effing life, it can work. Until that moment, I'll tell you it's not gonna work. Save your money and do drugs till you die because it's not going to work and you're just gonna issue hope and heartache to the people that love your druggy or drunk ass. None of it works until you want it to work. I know this. I've got a lot of time in it and I know a lot of dead people. And guess what? It didn't work for any of those dead people. And I can tell you most of those dead people weren't there because they hit rock bottom and they wanted it to work and then it doesn't why well, I want it to work so it should work no 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 you want it to work and then you work your ass off every day for the rest of your life to make it work and when you hit rock bottom like one day you stick two bags of meth in your kid's backpack and your kid takes it to school maybe that's the rock bottom that finally works maybe that's what is your motivation to like I don't ever want to do that again maybe it'll work it can work but you really have to want it to work and then you really have to work at making it work. I hope this guy, this guy gets it together. The fact that he surrendered peacefully and just went to jail knowing he was a piece of crap is a good sign, cause he is. Heaven help that poor child. All right, man, that turned into a rough one. It was a fun lighthearted story about a kid bringing meth to school and Stretch took the fun right out of it wet blanket toss that bitch oh, man I'm on fire shout out to Justin Barsha got him coming up again in the final hour of the stretch show alright I'm gonna go back on a rant I'm a rancher today god do I want to go into this one this one's just so political I don't know if I want to touch it alright no let's go this kid brought something to school I just told you a bag of meth well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to Pennsylvania here very soon. Something on the books. I don't know if I agree with it, but it's your kid, your rules. You can do what you want. You can now sign a letter if you're a legal guardian or a caregiver of a child that'll allow your kid to do something at school. We'll talk about this next. It's the Big 49. Big 49. Uh-oh. Got a Marijuanica song playing. About to talk about schools. What is happening? I'm thankful this isn't Los Angeles yet, but I'm sure we're next in line because stupid is as stupid does. This is Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania State Representative Malcolm Kenyatta says he plans to introduce a bill 
that will allow school nurses to administer medical marijuana to children. I get if you have cataracts or something. If you have pain management, you want to use the weed. Is that really the first choice of treatment for a child, especially at school? According to the Pennsylvania Department of Health, both the Departments of Education and Health support the administration of medical marijuana under a patient authorization letter to students with serious medical conditions and the maintenance of a safe environment for other students while on school property. A parent or legal guardian or caregiver may administer medical marijuana to their child student on school premises, provided that the parent, legal guardian, or caregiver provides the school principal with the copy of the patient authorization letter and two, notifies the school principal in advance of each instance in which the parent or caregiver will administer the medical marijuana to that child or student. School principal shall provide notification to the school nurse in each instance that a parent or caregiver will be administering medical marijuana to that child or student. The parent or caregiver shall follow all school protocols applicable to visitors to the school during the school day. A parent, legal guardian, or caregiver shall bring to the school and administer the medical marijuana to their child or student without creating a distraction and shall promptly remove any excess medical marijuana and related materials from the school premises after the administration of the medical marijuana is complete. There you go. In Pennsylvania, they're going to let you light up at school. And here's another one. I know a number of people before uh, recreational marijuana chica was legal was legal here in California. I knew a whole lot of people that had marijuana cards that went and got them, and they're easy to do. Yeah, I can't sleep very well. Okay, here you go. Here's your weed card. Pay me 50 bucks. It was basically a mill for these blowhard, freaking borderline illegal doctors to write medical marijuana cards to people that wanted to get high and get weed. And we all know that to be true. It's really, 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 really easy to get a medical marijuana card. So if your kid's got something, oh, he's got ADD and the doctor, yeah, okay. There's other drugs they can take too, you're aware of, right? And I get it, but marijuana's natural, non-addictive. Yeah, suck my balls, that's a big load of crap. Addictive as hell, especially the potent stuff we're seeing now. And I'll tell you another thing. It is called marijuana-induced psychosis. Look it up. It's real. I've seen it. And it happens to young people that smoke really potent marijuana a lot as young people now. They're not smoking the Mexican cess of the 80s back in high school. These kids are smoking the most highly scientifically evolved marijuana that money can buy. And it is baking their young, not fully developed brains yet. But no, we should let them smoke weed at school if they have a condition. They got a weed card. What can we do? My Lord, what are we coming to? I'm also getting sick of, I'm going to introduce legislation in California. Really strict, really strict marijuana laws is what I want put into place. If If there's a smell of weed in your car and it's not from a container unopened that just left the weed store, your ass should get DUI'd. Big time. Same as alcohol. I do not want impaired drivers on the road with me, you stoned idiots. And I can't think of a red light I've been at where I don't smell weed coming from a car around me and I'm sick of it. I was all for putting it through. I wanted the tax money into the economy. Hopefully thinking they'd not tax me for something else or go after my dirt bikes, but I was wrong. No, I want marijuana cracked down on hard. I don't want it now made available for school students with a weed card. Eat a bag of D's, man. What is happening? All right, I'm Stretch. Up next, I'm going to get back to another lighthearted story. This one is a bunch of people died. They got burned to death. That's my lighthearted story of the day. It's crazy. Didn't happen in America. Happened in España. We'll talk about that next. This is the Big 49. Big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Saturday night in New Jersey, the rain and the mud gave us so many different storylines to talk about. We're going to be getting into these all week long, but here's one that I absolutely love. One of our favorite privateers on the planet, Kevin Morans, 
finished seventh overall in the 450 main event. And this is a guy, week after week, you see Moran's finish somewhere between 17 and 20 is where he typically falls. This is his career best finish. The guy's a complete privateer. He's been getting hole shots. He is the hardest working man in motocross, at least in that 450 class. And we absolutely dig him. So congratulations to Kevin Moran's. What a great finish. Way to stay upright and out of trouble in the mud bowl in New Jersey. I am Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49. It's Stretch Show. This is this is gonna go over like a ton of bricks. <laughs> Let's get into this story. It happened in Spain. Imagine this. You're at a restaurant. Nice Italian restaurant. Somebody orders something that is going to be flambéed. You know what that is? That's where they set it on fire right at your table. They come up and they, or sometimes they set it on fire back in the kitchen and they walk it out of the tray so it's like a show. Well, a waiter in a busy Italian restaurant Friday evening in Madrid, Spain, walked out with a flambé and in the process set plastic plants on fire in the restaurant which rapidly spread to a massive fire in the restaurant. Two people have died, another 10 people seriously injured. So the waiter flambéed the entire restaurant. So usually they take a blowtorch to light the food. The food's usually covered in some type of alcohol, set alight for dramatic effect. Sometimes also giving it a little bit of a smoky flavor. However, at this point, the fire broke out near the entrance of the restaurant caught the plastic plants on fire. They couldn't get it out. One of the people that died was an employee trying to fight the fire, trying to save the other people. The blaze was extinguished quickly. It was extremely intense and generated a lot of smoke. The mayor said there had been about 30 diners and staff members in the restaurant at the time of the fire, and he warned there uh, would have been more victims had the firefighters taken longer to attend to the scene, adding that it was extinguished within 10 minutes from the time it went up. Insane. Police have launched an investigation into the case of the fire, and we'll see if anybody's charged. I know there's going to be a lawsuit, and everybody in this restaurant's going to get the bejesus suit out of them. But there you go. Don't order flambe. I guess that's the moral of the story. If you're in a restaurant, how'd you like to be the, per the guilt of the person that ordered that? Yeah, I I'm the guy that ordered flambe. Ah, oh, there you go. It's your fault. All these people are dead. That's horrible. I told you I had horrible stories today. Horrible, horrible stories. I got more. I'm going to try to hold back on some. I'll, I'll try to spread some over till tomorrow's show. Freaking insane. Watch out for flambes. I'm Stretch. It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. We saw the very end of the 250 East-West shootout in New Jersey on Saturday night in the Mud Bowl. You saw R.J. Hampshire take a huge gamble and absolutely lose. Going into the final turn, he had Jet Lawrence in his sights. Now, Jet was going to finish ahead of him, and R.J. thought he could get around him. The only problem is it was a slip and slide out there, and R.J. came flying in, lost control of his motorcycle, slid into Jet. Jet fell on top of him. Jet was able to jump right back on his bike and finish on the podium. And at that point, Hunter, who is now going to finish in fifth place behind RJ, ends up getting uh, on the podium and getting the third spot. So Jet doesn't miss anything. It gives his brother a chance to get on the podium. And RJ Hampshire goes down with a DNF. It doesn't get any points in the main event, thus handing the championship over to Jet Lawrence is really what happened right there. Jet even referenced it in an interview later. He said the guy tried to make up one point and instead lost 20, and that's exactly what happened with RJ Hampshire. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it's a Stretch show here on a Monday. I had, I'm going to save my super political story for tomorrow. That involves uh, the IRS and the President of the United States. Which no one's talking about, and I and I'm I just, I just don't have it in me. I get myself all fired up, and I'll get a huffing and puffing. I've already been preachy on today's show, so I'm not going to do it. But right now, I'm going to give you an update on a situation, uh, the Bud Light situation. 
Kid Rock's the guy that kind of set that whole thing off. I immediately came out and said, I get where these people are pissed, but they're overreacting. I cracked a Bud Light on my very next show. Once the scandal broke, I drank it, and I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm down. I'm down with Bud Light. I'm, I get, you know, Wall Street pushes you to grow your audience. You've got these people locked down. But it wasn't the smartest thing that the lady said that was in charge of marketing Bud Light. And now there's an update on that. She has been uh, removed, if doesn't say permanently, but she is on leave, no longer in charge of that brand. And they now replaced her with another person who is now in charge of that brand. So things are happening. Heads have rolled. I'm wondering if everyone will calm the F down now. Well, here's what's crazy. I literally did that weeks ago. I did it. I cracked a beer the day after I saw the scandal break out. I said, I'm rolling with these guys. They've been a part of my, not only my childhood. I remember how many times I looked forward to seeing commercials. Who looks forward to seeing commercials? The Bud Light commercials were always funny as hell. They got away from that. And they took their eye off the ball. They're, they're, they're coming back around. They're going to be back. But everyone's freaking out. And I'm like, yeah. It, so why wouldn't you try to grow your brand? Like, what does it matter to you? Uh, anyway, Joe Rogan said exactly what I said and did exactly what I did on his podcast on Friday. And he's getting all kinds of pushback. And people are like, Joe went woke. Blah, blah. And they're like, no. And by the way, Joe Rogan is, like me, a pretty conservative in his viewpoints. But at the same time, I can call nonsense on nonsense. It's like, dude, you're just trying to grow your brand. They weren't selling gay beer. They were trying to get those people in by giving it to somebody who put it on social media. They didn't make commercials. They didn't do any direct marketing to it. And it's like, oh, cool. All right. Well, they're trying to grow out that way. We got the other people. They didn't come out and say, F you straight people. Oh, you manly men, we don't want you to drink our beer anymore. They're like, no, we want everybody to drink our beer. If you got a product, why don't you want everybody to drink it? I don't give a crap. You think I care if, like, my favorite drink? By the way, if you're drinking light beer and you're a dude, you'd be suspicious of yourself in the first place. It's the biggest selling beers in the world are light beers, but think about it. I mean, it's, it's more geared that way. I'm looking at it being more geared that way in the first place if you're drinking any sort of light beer. My Lord. But yeah, Joe Rogan's getting all kinds of pushback for doing a segment the Stretch Show did two weeks ago. And I'm standing by it. I, I don't care. I think everybody should get over it. It's like, dude, still Bud Light. I've, they made me laugh my whole life. My whole life. And I'm an old-ass man. I have enjoyed their marketing. I told you I had a great show when I had the Real Men of Genius on with me. And we just did commercials all day. I'm like, what a win that was for Budweiser that day. We just did freaking commercials. Like, I don't care who you want to drink your beer. I just don't want you to insult me or disrespect me. And, and for that, they've been bit slapped back into contention. I think they've realized the, their, the ear of their ways, and, and hopefully they'll come about it and get this, get this ship righted. But, yeah, Rogan's getting heat for taking the stretch stance. Man, I need, my, I need to make my podcast big like Joe Rogan's. We're on the same page on a lot of crap. It's pretty, uh, very weird. Rogan's into UFOs big time. I'm into, it's weird, but strange stuff. Just know this, I had a podcast before Rogan did. <laughs> I did. I had a podcast, before, and Rogan's been doing that podcast for years. And I had a show before Rogan did. He was a stand-up comedian at the time when I was doing my first podcast. Yeah, but shout out to Joe Rogan. Good for you. Great stand. Because it's the stretch stand. It's the big 49. Ah, uh, music to my ears. Pennywise, bro him. Time to go home. I'm down with you people. The big 49 is down with you people. Moto Rock Extreme. It is our pledge to you. We will give you all of that in spades every single day that we can. We thank you for listening to us. We thank you for being a part of it. We thank you for the insane amount of hours that people listen to this radio station. And the whole tribe and the whole movement, man. It is growing, and we're putting corporate radio on its ass. And we're pushing into the moto world with extreme prejudice, I will just say. And we are, we are coming in. We are coming in to take what is going to rightfully be ours, and we're going to do it with you guys and for you guys. 
and I'm going to call it like I see it all the way. There's so many times if you like, F you stretch, you're an idiot on this. And then there might be something you agree with me on the next segment. Or you might just think you're a complete and total idiot, but I like rock and roll, so I'll just listen there. If you like the stretch show, you can hear it now in podcast form. Every single day, everywhere podcasters serve Monday through Friday, we are banging them out. If you like the moto show that we do on Saturdays, that's a vlog at Big 49, uh, thebig49.com. You can go to thebig49radio.com, too. They're the same website. They go all point to the same spot. We just thought that radio was an offensive bad word and took it out of the title of the radio station. (laughs) We're a radio station, and we do broadcast through HLS Streaming. We've got some new uh, stuff coming up, too, in that world. that You'll you'll notice the Big 49 will sound better than ever, which is saying something because it already sounds better than terrestrial radio and satellite radio. And our uh, great wizard, Greg, is working on some new stuff and making things even more badass for the 49, if you can believe that. And we're going to promise to keep the commercials a minimal and to keep the rock and roll good and the moto content solid and fight for your right to uh, moto, the Beastie Boys song. Fight for your right to moto. That's what we're going to do. And we're never going to stop until the day the plug is pulled. Or someone pays me a whole ton of money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to sell you out. I may sell out one day and just ride off into the sunset. But the 49 will continue. I'll be like, how much are they going to give me? Yeah, go ahead and give me that check and uh, you're never going to hear Stretch again. I'm old. i got to retire at some point. There will be a successor, though, to keep things going. In the meantime, I'm out of here till tomorrow morning. I will talk to you then for the Tuesday Spectacular, where we will probably talk to Mr. Eli Tomac. I'm Stretch. Till then, God bless you all, and God bless the United States of America.